Mind Your Subconscious is the podcast that provides you with techniques and knowledge about your subconscious mind, the part of your brain that lets you control your ego and create an extraordinary reality with your thoughts. We invite meditation, hypnosis, NLP, EFT, and other experts to help you master the most powerful part of your brain. Your host is Jennifer Schlüter, who quit her job as managing editor of 22 newspapers to travel the world and work online just after one hypnosis session. A nomad ever since 2016, Jennifer is now a certified hypnotist and helps people transform their dreams into reality. Hello and welcome to this week's episode of Mind Your Subconscious. Today we have Daniel as our guest and Daniel is a magician and street hypnotist. That means we're going to explain to you how street and stage hypnosis works, which is what you usually see on TV and which is unfortunately why people often get scared of hypnosis. So if you're curious now, just give it a listen and enjoy. Okay, hey everybody, we're here with Daniel from the Netherlands. Welcome, Daniel. Thank you very much. Um, please introduce yourself and what your style of hypnosis is. Uh, well, like you said, my name is Daniel. I am a magician and a hypnotist from the Netherlands. Uh, my style of hypnosis, well, it's a bit tricky to explain, but mo most of my style originally I learned as a street hypnotist. So my style, I would say, is still very much based on the material I learned back then, which is very fast, very direct, very efficient ways of getting hypnosis. Um, and later on, I did a lot of hypnotherapy courses, Ericksonian hypnosis, conversational hypnosis. So I use a lot of those techniques as well to give it a bit more depth and nuance and flexibility. Okay. And how did you get into hypnosis? Well, like I said, I started out as a magician, uh, mostly doing card magic and stuff like that. Um, so it was quite a while ago, I was still just practicing, and the website where I bought all of my cards, they sent me an email offering a 10% discount on a single-day hypnosis introduction workshop. So I thought, oh, that'll be cool. I had never really studied and looked at hypnosis, but it sounded weird and interesting, so I thought I'd go there. Um, and was amazed to see that it worked, and it worked really effectively you can do some really amazing stuff with it so that's when i got hooked and been practicing it ever since okay amazing and so how have you used hypnosis on yourself as well or only on your subjects on the street <laughs> <laughs> no, no, i've used it on myself as well uh, i mean I, I don't just do it as a performance thing when i perform it's actually really just a small part of it but i got into it through performance and i just got fascinated by the the phenomenon itself um, and I think to really understand hypnosis you do have to at least get hypnotized by someone else and it really helps to experiment on yourself as well do mind experiments to see what kind of effects you can elicit with yourself as well and have you ever been the subject of a magic show <laughs> as a magic show or a hypnosis demonstration? Or hypnosis, yeah, let's, let's do it. Yeah, let's say hypnosis demonstration. <laughs> um, sure, I think so. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I've done several, lots of courses. So during courses, you get hypnotized all the time, either by other students or by the trainer demonstrating stuff. Um, so yeah, I, always, I don't mind getting hypnotized. So. <laughs> okay, and what is your um, favorite um, hypnosis trick on the streets? Favorite hypnosis trick? Wow. Uh, 
I really like playing with Amnesia. Amnesia is a lot of fun to play with. Um, yeah, I think Amnesia. Okay. And what else do you do to people on the streets? Oh, lots of stuff. Uh, it kind of depends. You usually have uh, you have a bit of a progression you go through, uh, also to kind of gauge your subjects and see how far they can go. So usually start out with more basic uh, physical phenomena, so the more classical suggestibility effects of finger magnets and heavy hand, light hand, hand magnets, those kinds of things. So those are more simple physical uh, automotive responses. Um, from there, kind of depending on how they respond, how intensely they respond, um, I usually move into things like, well, basically forms of catalepsy. So sticking people's hands to things, um, but usually starting out, sticking their hands, sticking their feet, and then perhaps uh, moving on to larger immobility in the body, uh, statue, making like a statue, those kinds of things. So you can play around with that. Um, you can do more emotional responses. Uh, making people drunk is a lot of fun when you're on the street. <laughs> <laughs> I used to do a lot of um, hypnosis just hanging around in bars and it's always fun to have so give someone a suggestion they get drunk of water and uh, yeah you, you can get a lot of fun out of that uh, like i said amnesia is a lot of fun uh, hallucinations both positive and negative hallucinations so yeah th those are kind of the classic ones you use in street hypnosis really okay do you have a story something great or crazy or weird that happens oh yeah uh, yeah there's always lots of stories, and then when you get put on the spot, it's hard to dig them up real quick. Um, one of the things, I, I used to go to this party, which was every week. Every Wednesday, we had a get-together, a barbecue, and we had a lot of friends there. Some people would come there often. There was this one guy, I used to just experiment things with hypnosis with him. And he just enjoyed being a subject. Um, and like I said, one of the things I would often do as part of hypnosis is to freeze someone's arm into place um, and one of the questions that really just comes up when you do hypnosis is well what would happen if I just walk away now what if I don't undo the suggestion um, and so we were both interested in that so I locked his arm into place and I just well let's leave it there and we just went around our uh, bay we had we had some beers and we had some food and we just enjoyed ourselves uh, that evening uh, and his arm just kept stuck in place. And it was a bit awkward for him to just do everything one-handed, but it was just a curious experiment, and it was all getting more and more dissociated. So I think it took about, and eventually he just went home, and I said, well, if it doesn't go away, give me a call. <laughs> um, and uh, so one of our other friends was with him, with him as well. And eventually, I, I think just from the moment I put his arm into place, it took about two and a half hours for it to slowly come back to life and slowly relax and, and then it kind of dissolved and went back to normal. It's incredible how strong our minds are, isn't it? <laughs> it is, yeah, yeah. So that was a cool experiment. Wow, okay. Um, yeah, if you think about anything else, uh, any other story, like while we're talking, then also just feel free to jump right into it. Sure, yeah. Well, uh, one, one other one with the same okay. friend that came up. Um, similar, but <clears throat> what I, um, he, he likes to draw, he's a bit of an artist. So what we did, we locked his arm into place again, and we gave him a pencil and put a piece of paper on there, and we told his arm to start drawing. Uh, and sometimes he would look at it, and sometimes not, and his arm would just move about by himself. 
And that was really interesting because at first it was just kind of like scribbling, but then slowly images started to emerge and it took shape. So it was really um, like an, an interesting way of creating this unconscious flow of creativity. That's beautiful. That's really nice. <laughs> yes, yeah, that was very cool. <laughs> yeah. Um, okay, so why do you think, or well, okay, when you are on the street, do mm -hmm. you, how do you go about that? How do you go about hypnotizing people on the street? <laughs> Uh, well, the first thing you have to do is convince people that they want to be hypnotized, uh, which is really the most difficult part. Um, so when I when I started doing street hypnosis, the first time, like I said, that, that was just an introduction. The second workshop I went to was by a company which doesn't exist anymore. It's called Head Hacking, um, which was just a company they taught street hypnosis. They taught taught uh, hypnosis for performers. People wanted to do hypnosis quickly in impromptu situations. Um, so it was in Amsterdam and you just had a full day's training, different kinds of hypnosis techniques, and then in the evening uh, went out into the streets and hypnotized people and tourists in Amsterdam, which is a great place because tourists are just hanging around looking to have an interesting experience. So it's, it's a very accessible way of doing hypnosis. Um, the most important thing really is to just let people know that you do hypnosis. And when you do that, and when you just tell people around you, when you tell people you meet or in your social circuit that you do hypnosis, people will self-select and just ask, can you hypnotize me? And people are fascinated by this. Um, so that's the first part. And when you do it on the street, you have to convince people a bit more. So the advantage I have is I'm a magician, so I can just start out doing magic, which is a lot less frightening than hypnosis. And then when people see I can do some cool stuff and they're into it, I can slowly move it into a more, first more perhaps psychological trickery and then move it into hypnosis. So it's a bit of a smoother transition than walking up to someone and say, hey, have you ever been hypnotized? Um, which can work, but it's, it's a lot yeah, it feels a lot more. Um, yeah. So that's the first part, getting people wanting to be hypnotized. So the uh, second part is, and it's kind of an issue when you do street hypnosis, when it's, it's more performance oriented, you kind of put yourself in a position where if you don't produce, produce results, it's a bit awkward. Um, if you're in a more casual setting, you're just exploring this concept, you, you have a bit more leeway. But if you're performing, you have to get some results and uh, you have to get them pretty quickly. Um, so usually what I try to do, I like working with, uh, I, I like working one-on-one -on -one with people, but I, when I perform, I usually get a bit of a group together. Um, try to get, uh, let's say I'm at a casual setting and someone is interested in hypnosis, other people will be listening as well. And let's say there's one person who's interested, I will not only engage that one person, I will engage as many people as I can to kind of do some preliminary testing, uh, engage mm -hmm. them in the process, have them do some suggestibility effects, uh, kind of play around and tell them, well, this isn't quite hypnosis, but this can show you how hypnosis works. So you make it less frightening, make it more approachable. Uh, so you have a group to work with. And the reason pretty much is uh, when you start going for more intense phenomena like catalepsy, amnesia, hallucinations, not everyone can do those kinds of effects, at least not right away or in a, yeah, in, in a setting like this. So you want to kind of select, you want to filter out, you want to look for the right person to work with, the person who wants to be hypnotized, the person who's in the right mindset to be hypnotized, and also simply the person who has the ability to respond, because sometimes you meet someone who really, really wants to feel that for some reason, um, which you can talk about for quite a while as well, um, that's just not the right person at that time. So th that's when I start doing more 
suggestibility effects and I kind of um, merged that together with my pre-talk process talking about what hypnosis is, what it isn't, uh, what they can expect from me, what I expect from them as well because that's an important part to make them part of the process. And through that, I kind of filter out some people who uh, I think might be useful, and then I move into an induction. Um, perhaps I move into an induction. I, I move into a more formal hypnosis thing, uh, which might be an instant induction. Uh, you might skip the induction altogether if you have the right person, but you move into more dramatic effects, and then you, yeah, you you go along this progression of effects which you know that generally most people can experience and push into more what are you could say are more advanced phenomena and uh, yeah kind of progress from there okay and what happens if uh, some of your street subjects are not really participating or they don't want to be hypnotized or whatever um what happens what do you do well there's a couple of a couple of options um so let's say in general, sometimes you work into situations where it doesn't quite work the way you want it, want it. So it kind of depends on why things aren't going exactly the way you want them to go. Uh, is it because they don't have quite the mindset you want yet, but they're close? Well, then you go back and you do a bit of more, uh, a bit more pre-talk. You work on it a bit more. Um, if they are just not in the right mindset, you're just not getting the right responses. If you just feel it all going south, um, do a card trick. That's okay. Yeah, that, that's pretty just much. Just break the ice a little bit. <laughs> that's, that's kind of just the, the fail safe I have. I do other stuff as well. Um, so I, I blend my hypnosis into other stuff. So I have a bit of a safety net to move into other material as well. Um, but when you do street hypnosis, you kind of have to accept that sometimes it's just not going to work. You just have to accept mm -hmm. that you are going to fail, and sometimes it'll just fall flat. Um, I have had days where just one after the other, every single group was awesome and was perfect. Uh, and you feel like you have godlike powers, and then the next day, nothing works and it's terrible, and you know, you feel a failure as a hypnotist. Um, but it's yeah, that, that happens. So it helps to have your safety nets, but sometimes it's just not gonna work the way you want it to. Yeah, do you feel there's a group that is getting hypnotized the most easily? Like, is it women do rather get hypnotized than men, or old people um, get hypnotized a bit harder? It's more difficult, or is there anything like that, or um, or not? Well, there's a couple of things going on there. I think when you talk about hypnotizability, um, I think there's different reasons why sometimes it doesn't work, and it does kind of relate to the groups you mentioned but also doesn't um so i think there uh, science is still not really fully doesn't fully understand why some people get hypnotized more easily than others but all of the research that has been done into this does portray that there is most likely an underlying stable trait that makes it more easily, uh, makes some people a lot easier to be hypnotized than others. And perhaps not easily hypnotized, but able to experience certain phenomena that someone else maybe cannot experience or experience to a lesser degree. So some people who can experience amnesia very powerfully, they cannot hallucinate. Someone else can hallucinate, but ask them to forget their name and it simply doesn't quite work. So there are these different groups of hypnotic phenomena that are uh, some people find easier to experience than others. Um, and I'm pretty convinced 
that is not just a mindset thing. These are patterns that are built up either genetically or through our lifetime through experience. Because I do think you can train and become better at these phenomena if you work on them, get hypnotized more often and, and work on them. Um, but in general, I do feel there's an underlying trait which isn't associated to being either male or female, uh, how old you are, uh, any of that. Mm -hmm. On the other hand, there are also mindset things. Mm -hmm. There are mindsets, mindsets someone can bring along to an experience which might help or might hinder the process no matter if you have the underlying trait or not. So let's say you are a young student uh, as a tourist in Amsterdam looking to have weird mind expanding experiences well i'd say you're a pretty good candidate for hypnosis um if you are a six-year-old conservative christian person uh, maybe need some bit more convincing um so different mindsets people grow up with certainly can help and hinder but it's your skill as a hypnotist to, to spot these mindsets to find out what they are and see how you can work around them how you can reframe them how you can utilize them to make this process of hypnosis more fitting to that particular person. Okay, so is there, um, if you, so with the groups also, if you say you're hypnotizing tourists a lot, do you think there's a, a certain, like maybe nationality that is very open for it? Or is there a, very, a nationality that's very close towards it? As uh, a traveler, uh, that's interesting to me. Yeah, I can, I can imagine the question. I just haven't really. I haven't spotted the pattern there. Um, okay. Maybe could be. Um, they say, but they talk about um, James Esdale, who that was actually back in the time when it was still mesmerism. Um, but James Esdale was a surgeon in India, um, who had some pretty good results there. At least that's the results he reported. A lot of he did a lot of mesmerism for anesthesia. Um, so he did a lot of research there and he did a lot of operations just purely using mesmerism. Um, and then he came back to the West and wanted to show his findings and for some reason it just didn't work. So one of the reasons that might have been is because perhaps in India they were more, more open to these kinds of experiences and when he just brought him into the West where he just didn't fit with our uh, Western view of medicine at the time, it just clashed too much and people just didn't take it seriously. So I, I can assume that certain cultures might be more uh, open to it. Uh, I don't think there's any, yeah, it, it can help, it can hinder a difference. But I think, uh, yeah, perhaps it's interesting as you travel around the world to keep track and uh, notice your experiences in that particular regard. Yeah, do you travel uh, around the world with like a magic show or something? Or are you just, no, you're no, in Amsterdam? Uh, I'm, I'm pretty local. Okay. <laughs> so, uh, no, unfortunately. Okay. <laughs> okay, so is there anything that you wouldn't do? Oh, that's a hard question. Or uh, if, if people come to you and say, hey, can you do this? Um, and then you're like, ah, no, maybe not because blah, 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 whatever. So is there anything you wouldn't do? Well, I don't want to, I, I don't want to seriously harm people. So <laughs> anything would, which would have the, uh, a large possibility of uh, that occurring, I wouldn't do. Um, yeah, for instance, the old magic stunt where you hypnotize someone, give them full body catalepsy, and you suspend them between two chairs, and then either the hypnotist would stand on that person, uh, or they would place a large uh, piece of um, concrete on their chest and hit it with a sledgehammer, which is a really 
it's a very dramatic demonstration, but when you stand on someone who has perhaps back problems, even without them knowing, you could uh, seriously, uh, yeah, seriously injure them. And as well, I think several people have died with the cinder block stunt as well, uh, where you, like I said, they have a large sledgehammer and have them hit either a like a big block of stone or a big uh, block of concrete, uh, and it has sometimes happened people missed the, the block of stone and actually uh, hit someone full in the chest with a sledgehammer oh. does generally doesn't end well um, so kind of weird stunts like that there, when you look at the old hypnosis books there's a lot of stuff in there that you wouldn't want to do today <laughs> okay, yeah that sounds really painful <laughs> yeah yeah uh, so yeah there's definitely stuff I, I don't want to put people in danger um, but I'm usually pretty open to trying weird stuff uh, yeah, I don't know if you have any suggestions of things that you might have heard to the <laughs> that might be weird or risky, but uh, yeah. No, what what would be weird or risky to you? Well, like I said, if, if it's risky, if there's um, if there's a really chance of physical harm, mm -hmm. then that would be physically risky for me. Um, and also, you so there's some things you want to be careful of. Let's say you, um, one, one thing a lot of stage hypnotists do is let's say I have some people on stage and I want to create a fun little scene where I take them back and make them all little kids. So I have them all go back to the time when they were six years old. Um, and of course my intention as a hypnotist is for them to have a lot of fun and to um, act and ex experience what it's like to be a six-year-old innocent uh, child just running around having fun. Uh, but perhaps one particular person had a terrible time when they were six-year-old, were abused, uh, terrible memories, traumas, whatever, and I just brought them back right into the middle of that. Uh, so, so that's something you generally want to avoid. So you, it's not like you cannot do these types of stunts, but you want to be very careful with the way you phrase it. Uh, you don't, for instance, want to take them back to when they were six-year-olds, uh, because that might have been a terrible time. So perhaps it'd be a, a better suggestion to say, go back to the happiest birthday you've ever had when you were a child. So you create this framework. It has to be a happy experience um, and you get pretty much the same results. But in that way, you have, just have to be very careful about how you word things. Yeah, absolutely. And um, so what do you love about hypnosis so much? <laughs> like I said, I started out as a magician and uh, the problem with being a magician, well, you can do magic, but it's all tricks, and it's kind of mm -hmm. disappointing. <laughs> and when you <laughs> learn hypnosis, it's actual magic. It's like, whoa, this is amazing. Um, and of course, there's a mechanism there involved as well, but it, it feels exactly the same as when I perform magic, but there's no trick. It's just a real phenomenon that just keeps being amazing no matter how often you do it. So do you like the reaction of people uh, that you get? Oh yeah, absolutely. Yeah, yeah. It's it's one of the strongest things I do. Um, if you do a good good hypnosis demo, that's the one thing that'll stay with people the most. Okay. So, do you perform in uh, on the streets or also in like little bars or clubs or whatever, or uh, or do you do like do you put up spontaneous performances <laughs> like you said in a bar or something? No. When I talk about performing in bars, it's usually not just to perform there. It's just me hanging around in a bar and and just. That's what I do when I want to have fun. I do magic with people okay. and I hypnotize people. So it's not a professional setting. It's just me having fun. Okay. Um, 
when I use hypnosis as a professional magician, I uh, use it in my mentalism show. So I have different shows I perform. One is what's much more focused on card magic, it's a lot of sleight of hand stuff. The other one is what I call my mentalism show, which is much more focused on generally psychological illusions. So there's hypnosis and suggestion in there, but there's also a lot of psychological flavored illusions in there. Uh, and I mix hypnosis in there. And it's much more of a stage show. I sell it to companies a lot. Um, so it's, it's much more of a formal thing. Um, so I don't travel the world with it, but it's much more of a uh, corporate performance type of thing. Okay, and for corporate performance, is it just really for the performance? Or is it also, is are you including like a team building exercise or something? Or is it really just performance? Uh, it kind of depends what the company is looking for. Uh, I started out doing just the show bits, but companies were definitely looking for more of uh, well can you tell us a little bit more about what you do and how it works and psychological stuff so now I have a segment there which is optional if companies want it where I explain about um, different psychological techniques I use some of which are hypnosis related others not so much but they're all into this uh, psychological communication influence type of uh, genre okay and how does it help um, the people who are watching that in the companies, for example? Uh, well, the, the things I explain mostly during my show are communication techniques I use within my show. Um, so it's funny, but all of the things I explain are actually embedded somewhere previously within the show, but it's all pretty much communication techniques, um, both more uh, linguistic, so I have a lot of the language, well, I explain some of the language patterns, some of the ways hypnosis uses language to influence the mind, um, but you can also use those same patterns if you use them more consciously inside of your general conversations. It's not like you're going to hypnotize someone, but you make your communication much more clear, much more profound, much more impactful, and get your message across much clearer. I see, okay, makes sense. Um, okay, so now what do you struggle with um, when you're doing magic or hypnosis shows? Other what? than people not being wanna, wanna, wanting to be hypnotized. <laughs> of course, yeah, yeah. Well, that's, uh, I, I think I've solved that one for myself. It's not much of a problem. Um, one of the things I've struggled with uh, more recently um, is that when I started doing magic more as a business, I got too focused on the business aspect of it. And I actually lost a lot of my enthusiasm for the magical aspect of it. So that's actually why I pretty much put the business side of it, uh, stopped, yeah, put in, took a break from that. Um, and I'm slowly exploring and getting back to actually what I enjoy about it and rediscovering that. Does that mean you have a, um, a job, like a, a nine to five job? Or do you do magic on the side or do you do it for like full time? Um, well, I, I do a lot of stuff. <laughs> I, I, I did it full time for a while. Um, now I'm actually looking to get a more stable nine to five job uh, in IT of all places, which is very different. Um, but I am looking for a little bit more stability in my life as well. Being an artist is a lot of fun, being creative. Um, but it's also pretty taxing on your life, traveling around all the time and constantly having to book new shows and being an entrepreneur. So I'm uh, trying to get a more stable nine to five as well and have the company more as an aside thing, which makes good money um, and is something in which I can indulge something I really enjoy doing without the pressure of having to make money out of it, having to do it in a way that is forced to make money. Absolutely. Yeah. 
Um, do, so what is your family thinking about what you're doing? How do they feel about it? Um, Magic and well, hypnosis. <laughs> yeah, yeah, absolutely. Um, well, yeah, my mother, uh, who I grew up with, um, she's always been interested in weird and esoteric stuff. So that's probably where I got my interest uh, in magic and hypnosis and those strange kind of phenomena in the first place. Uh, so she's, she really likes that I do these kinds of things. Uh, and my girlfriend as well. I actually met her at a festival doing magic and hypnosis. So yeah, everyone enjoys it. Did you hypnotize her? I did. <laughs> okay. <laughs> okay. Um, now tell me something that is true on which nobody agrees with you. Yes, I, I saw this question in the email you sent me, and I um, at first I wasn't quite sure what I would say, and actually it was my girlfriend who gave the answer. Um, <laughs> but I was assuming she said it, I was, yeah, that, that's the one, that's the thing. Um, and I wouldn't say nobody agrees with me on this, but this is a something which goes around in, in the hypnosis world, um, which I simply don't see a lot of validity in. Um, which is the whole concept, which is NLP based of VAK. Uh, are you familiar with the concept? Mm, right now, not yet. <laughs> okay, uh, I'll quickly explain what it is. It's, it's, mm -hmm. it's pretty, um, NLP started in, I think about the 70s with Richard Bandler and uh, Jonathan Grinder um, modeling and exploring the techniques of several therapists. Um, one of which was a hypnotist called Milton Erickson. The other one were, I think, Gregory Bates and Virginia Satir, who were more general family-oriented uh, therapists, but very successful. So they uh, explored their different techniques. One of the first techniques that Bandler and Grinder came up with was the idea that everyone has a pre preferential um, sensory input channel. So VAK, actually the whole thing is V-A-K-O-G, visual, auditory, uh, okay, okay. Uh, olfactory, gustatory. So their concept is we all imagine and think in all of these things. We can visualize, we can think of sounds, we can imagine touching something, um, but everyone has a preferred referential system. So some people are more visual, others auditory, others kinesthetic, uh, and that you can actually perceive this both through observing their eye patterns, eye movement patterns, and uh, listening to their language. So a visual person might say, um, in conversation, I see what you're saying. Another person might say, uh, that sounds very good to me. Or a kinesthetic might say, I can't quite get a grasp on this. Um, so th this is a very old concept in NLP, which is, gets repeated a lot and it's also been pretty much uh, ad adopted into the hypnosis world. Um, and I, I always found it a bit of a strange concept and I tried to listen out for it, but I didn't really notice these patterns very clearly. Um, but I never really investigated really very deeply in it. Um, but a while ago, it, it kept popping up. So I started looking into more of the research and uh, it turns out that especially in the beginning period of, of NLP, when it became very popular um, and it put itself forward in a very scientific way. So a lot of um, psychologists started studying it. They started uh, setting up studies to explore the validity of NLP. Uh, and one of the main concepts they explored was this whole concept of VAK and preferential systems. Uh, because it was also just a very uh, good thing which you could measure, which you could, uh, it, it suited the concept of a, a scientific study very well. And there's just 
not been any evidence of it working. And it's just been one of the things that gets repeated in NLP seminars and just people repeat it and it keeps getting passed around. And yeah, and, and but I've never seen any validity and there's no actual proof it actually works. And it, w it was a good, interesting idea. And as far as I can see, there's no reason to hold on to it. So that's, that's one thing which I personally, uh, yeah, one concept I don't adhere to, which I know a lot of people do adhere to. Okay, okay, got it. So what's something about, or what's something that people assume about you that is not true? Um, well, it kind of depends on the person. If you saw, if, <laughs> one of the fun ones is when I tell someone I can do hypnosis and they're kind of scared, they go, no, no, don't look into my eyes. Ah, yes. <laughs> and then I can always tell them, oh, that's fine. As long as you can hear me, I can hypnotize you. <laughs> <laughs> um, so that's that's one. Um, that, that's the one I come up with. Um, yeah, I'm, I'm not sure if there's any particularly other ones that people always assume about me. Perhaps that I had a magic kid as a kid. I actually started doing magic when I was 20, so people always assume I started out as a, a small kid doing card tricks. But I don't know. <laughs> oh, okay, okay. In the Netherlands, how? well known is hypnosis and how much is it used how popular is it um, and what's the view towards it um I, I think in general it's pretty well known I, I don't think i've ever met anyone where i say i'm a hypnotist and they go what's that uh, so everyone knows what hypnosis is because it's always in books and movies and people generally there's a couple of different uh, responses people um, I, I'd say that the vast majority have heard of it, but they generally didn't consider it as a, theory, a serious thing. They know it from books and TV and uh, as more of a fantasy thing. Uh, so some people might just act in disbelief and you see TV shows where it's used every once in a couple of years and it's usually done in a pretty trite and uh, in a way and in a way where it's not very believable for someone who is a skeptic. So I say the majority of people are interested but skeptical. Um, but you usually, yeah, you quite often encounter people who have done some form of hypnotherapy as well. People who say, well, I used it to help me quit smoking or get over flying phobia, those kinds of things. So you, it, it's generally known and uh, it gets, I, I think it gets more and more accepted as a form of therapy as well. And um, what is next for you? What are you planning with your magic shows, with your hypnosis stuff? And yeah, what's next? Well, like I said, I, I uh, really got, uh, I've been doing it quite intensely for a long time. Then I started doing it as a company. It became more of a business thing. And I started losing my interest in it because of that. Um, so like I said, my next step is to re-engage that interest, to um, actually find myself becoming passionate about it again. Um, and it might be in a different format. It may be professional and maybe not, but the main purpose for me is to enjoy it and not to make money out of it. Okay, okay, great. And how can our audience find you? Well, uh, I do have a website and I have a YouTube channel, which is not very active, but there might be a couple of videos which might be interesting for people listening here as well. Uh, my website is Arcana Illusions, which is um, A-R-C-A-N-A dash, of, um, it's like one of the stripey things, um, Illusions, so I-L-L-U-S-I-O-N-S -L -L -I 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 yes, dot we, N-L. We will link to that. <laughs> just link to it. It's um, 
It's my company name. I, I chose that company name before I really thought out the marketing and uh, repeat, repeatability for people to say Arcane Illusions. It wasn't a masterstroke, that one. <laughs> um, so you can look me up there. I have a YouTube channel which has the name, same name as well. Uh, most of it is in Dutch. Uh, but I do have on my YouTube channel a quite, quite a long interview with one of my hypnosis mentors uh, about a lot of his theories and thinking around hypnosis, which is very much focused on hypnosis for performance as well. Uh, so that might be interesting for some people. Okay, great. Um, these are all the questions. So thank you so much for being with us. My pleasure. It was a lot of fun. Awesome. <laughs> great. Thank you. Love this episode of Mind Your Subconscious? Subscribe, rate, and leave a review on whichever platform you're listening. It's very much appreciated. Thank you so much. Catch our next episode every Monday.